Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, so if I can just have you stand with me one more time. Um, it's, it's nice to stand and read the word of God t- together. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of First Kings 13. It's a little lengthy, so uh, please forgive me um, as we as we read this. I'm exci- I'm excited about um, this se- this series. Um, we're starting a, this series of called uh, discerning your season, discerning your spiritual season. Um, and I'm extremely excited about it. So I'm going to preach for the uh, next three weeks. And then um, our uh, youth pastor in training, Joaquin, is going to preach for the first time. Um, so he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be a part of this series. And then we're going to have Bob Lynn kind of minister the last week and bring us home. Amen. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's exciting. All right, come on. Let's, let's, let's read this. Starting in verse 1. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then at the Lord's command, he shouted, O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into a dynasty of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense and human bones will be burned on you. The same day the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar was split apart and its ashes will be poured out on the ground. Then the king, Jeroboam, heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, and he pointed at him and shouted, seize that man. But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in the position, and he couldn't pull it back. Man, that's some anointing right there. (laughs) At the same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar, and the ashes poured out just as the man of God had predicted and his message from the Lord. Then the king cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord God to restore my hand. So the man of God prayed to the Lord and the king's hand was restored and he could, he could move it again. Then the king said to the man of God, hey, come to my palace with me and have some, something to eat and I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. (laughs) For the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. So he left Bethel and went home another way. Somebody said, go another way. As it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel and his sons and came home and told him that the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father, the man, uh, the man has said to the king, the old prophet asked him, which way did he go? 
So they showed their father the road that the man of God had taken. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they, they saddled the donkey for him and he mounted it. Then he rode after the man of God, found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked him, are you the man of God? Are you the man who came to Judah? Yes, I am, he, he replied. Then he said to the man of God, come home with me and eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. I am not allowed to eat or drink here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there and do not return to Judah by the same way you can. Okay. But the old prophet answered, I am, I am a prophet too, just as you are. And the angel gave me this command from the Lord, bring him home with you so he can, so, so he can give him something to, to drink. But the old man was lying to him. So they went back together and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. Then while he was sitting at the table, the command of the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You defy the word of God and have disobeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. And you came back to this place and ate and drank where you, you, he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will, be, will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his donkey for him, and the man of God started off. But, but, it, but as he was traveling along, the lion came out and killed him. It, mm, Lord, this is not getting any better. His body laid there on a roll with the donkey and the lion standing beside him. A testing season. Yes. Father, we just thank you, Lord, just for all that you're doing. Thank you for um, just a new year. We know that you don't function in, in time, Lord God, but thank you for waking us up this morning, Lord God. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to continue to serve you and um, to, to be used by you, God, to see your hand, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you for this life that you've given us, Lord God. Where will we be without you, Lord God? And in you, we are complete, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for choosing me to minister your word. I, I pray that you think with my mind and speak through my vocal cords today, Lord God. We don't want regular church. We want to see you move in this place right now in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The house of the Lord. So what is your current season? Do you know? What spiritual season you feel like you're in right now. Um, my goal for this series is to teach us how to discern uh, what spiritual season we are in and then learn how to navigate through it. Everything, everything in this world is ordained by God to function in seasons and cycles. Everything is function in seasons and cycles, right? So Genesis 8.22 says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting, harvest, uh, cold, heat, summer, winter, day, and night. So just as the weather changes, right, so does the seasons of our lives. 
it changes, right? So what, so what worked in one season may not work in another, right? So it's very important, very important that you understand what season that you are currently in because it is essential for your spiritual growth and faith walk. So you may be in a wilderness season, not really fun. You may be in a growing season. You may be in a testing season. Or you, or you, may, you might be in a harvest season. Regardless of what season you are in, we must learn how to navigate through that season. If we don't understand the concept of seasons, especially during the challenging ones, right? We may start thinking that seasons never change. We will stop trusting, right? We will stop serving. We will stop dreaming. We will stop taking risk. But life comes in seasons. Life comes in seasons, right? Seasons do change, sometimes quickly, and sometimes they overlap one another. You get me so far? Sometimes they overlap one another. So we must understand seasons that we are in. So it's, it's, not, about, it's not about what we uh, walk away uh, from. It's about what we walk away with. See, see, God has a purpose for every season. God never wastes a season. He never wastes a season. So whatever season that you are in, right, ask God, God, what, what are you showing me during this season? Like, what, what do you want me to learn? What do I need to walk away with? How can I grow from this season? God has a purpose for every season. He doesn't waste any season. He doesn't waste a test. If God's going to test you, he's not going to waste the, the test is not wasted. Oh, oh, yeah, he never wastes a season. So before we can really identify what season that we are in, I just want to make sure that we all know what discernment means. I just don't want to assume that everyone knows what the gift of discernment is, right? It is the ability to distinguish or judge or praise a person, statement, situation, or environment. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of discernment to enable Christians to clearly recognize and distinguish between the influence of God, Satan, the world, and you. <laughs> right? In, in, in the flesh. So in, in any given situation. So discernment is learning to think to, to think God's thoughts after him practically and spiritually. It means having a sense of, of how things look in God's eyes, right? Um, in Hebrews, uh, was it, 4.13 here, it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable to. So, so, so everything in God's eyes is exposed. And that's what discernment is all about. It's exposing what's, what really is. 
Right. So that's what discernment is. So when you can you, when you have that gift of discernment, you you can expose the enemy's plans, the enemy's influence. Right. You can having that gift of discernment. It can expose your influence over you. <laughs> Meaning the flesh. Right. And then you can expose God's influence over you. This is very important because God will always test us not to be mean to us, but he will always test us. And we have to discern, is this God's influence over my life? Because everything, newsflash, everything is not the enemy. Every test is not the enemy. It's not. It's not. God will use a situation to grow you, but it's not always the enemy. It's like God wants you to go another level. God wants you to, to, to become closer to him. That is his goal for us to look more like him. So sometimes we get tested, right? So how do we actually know if we are in a testing season? When you are being tested, so one, if you are being tested, it seems as though, it seems as though whatever could go bad usually does, <laughs> right? It seems like whatever could go bad usually does. I don't particularly like this season, this type of season, the testing season, because this is when the Lord really tests your heart. Your thinking, right? Your actions, right? And what you truly believe. He tests all those. He actually, the Lord actually tests your, your, your grace, your patience. Like he tests our grace. How much grace do we have? <laughs> Measure the grace that we have. Test our patience, right? Not just with him answering certain prayers, just with people. People, God would test our, 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 our love for one another. I don't particularly like this, this, partic- this season, this testing season. It is hard. Does anyone ever go through a testing season? Yeah. See, the thing about it, you don't just go through it once. It's a cycle. <laughs> it's a cycle. Once you're, once you're done with this se- the testing season, it will eventually come back. That's how we grow. Right. So the second way to, to really know if you're in a testing season or not, not when it feels like God leaves you to the mercy of your own problems. Like, God, where you at? Where are you, Lord? Like, where are you? This is the time where you feel like you're isolated or, or you feel like God has rejected you. Um, you feel the sense of loneliness. Right. But that but all these things accomplish the same thing the same thing. It reveals your closeness with God, right? It reveals if God is truly the Lord over your life or if you replace him with something else. I don't have any friends today. I don't have I don't have any friends today. And the the third way to to really figure out if this is a testing season for you is when you find yourself sandwiched between the point of a dream or a promise released from God to the fulfillment of that dream or promise. Has anyone ever felt that way? Does anyone feel that way now? You're in a testing season. You're being tested. Praise the good Lord. 
So how do we navigate through a season of testing? How do we navigate? We must pass the test of obedience. Yeah, uh, we, we're heating up right now. So God tests our obedience to build us up. He doesn't test us to punish us. He doesn't test our obedience to punish us. God is not a mean God, Amen. right? He, he tests our obedience to grow our faith, right? So in this text, we, in, in 1 Kings 13, this was a test of obedience, right? right? So the, the story talks about an unnamed man, unnamed prophet, so first, when, whenever you read in the Bible about an unnamed person, just, just write your name in it. Because it could be talking about you or I. The Bible pur- purposely don't put a person's name on it because we can just fill our name in. Like God call, can call us to do great things. God has called us to do great things, right? I mean, we can be that Samaritan woman at, at the well. Right. Having that encounter with with Jesus. Right. How he just set us right. Um, he, he, he can just really pour into us during during that time. We can be the woman at the well. We can be that person. We can, we can be Pharaoh's uh, uh, wife. Right. Well, you don't want to be Pharaoh's wife, but <laughs> some of us. But what, what I'm saying is how how uh, God used Pharaoh's wife to save Moses as he was floating down the Nile. She rescued him, right, as a, as a baby, yeah. right? So we, we I mean, w- imagine we're, what we would be reading if Moses wasn't in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, she was a part of saving the Israelites. Right. Yeah. Amen? We can, we can be the, uh, um, the woman with the issue of blood, desperately seeking for God's healing. I wonder if she knew that Jesus will heal her blood with his that he was going to shed later on. I wonder if she knew that. That he would heal my issue with blood by his blood. (laughs) We can be, we can be her. Amen? Amen. So, So the man of God, so this was a story of uh, a man of God, uh, 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 unnamed prophet, and God had used him to confront King, the king, um, because he confront the king with his uh, uh, religious and pagan practices. Um, he was disrespecting the altar of, of God. Um, so, um, so God sent this man of God to confront the king and told him that judgment. Is, is among you. you and, um, and so the king didn't really like what the man of God said. And so he started to attack him. So when he, when he reached out his hand, his, um, his hand became paralyzed, like the withered man we read about, right? The man with the withered hand, he, he became paralyzed. And then we saw the altar crack. Man, that's some anointing right there, right? I mean, the king must have been like, Wow, that's a true man of God right there. That's a true man of God. Like, like I, I want that type of anointing. Yeah. Like, I know the Lord won't give me in that type of anointing because he know what I would do with it. I would take advantage of it. I, true, I'm just being honest. This 2021, I'm being honest with you, right? He wouldn't give me that type of anointing. He know I would do it. He know I, I, what I would do with it. See, I would actually... 
Like God know what I would do if he would not give me that type of anointing. But I'm praying for it, though. I'm praying for it. <laughs> but this was a test. So listen, this was a test of obedience, not necessarily for the king, but for the man of God. It's a test of obedience for the man of God. God gave him some instructions to follow. So let's go back into verse 9 to hear what the Lord told him what to do. See, it wasn't the instructions for him to follow wasn't just for him confronting the king. It was for afterwards. So he told him, he says, you must not eat or drink anything while you are there and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. So he basically told him to deny yourself. Don't go back and go another way. Come on, say it with me. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Don't go back, Don't go back. And, go and go another way. I mean, that's what obedience is like when God, that's what the testing season is about. It's about denying yourself. Then don't go back, but go another way. God will always show you another way. So he, he, told, he told the man that got to deny himself. So he basically told him to fast while you were there. Make sure you fast while you were there. Don't eat or drink anything while you are there. Why? Why was that so important? Why did he tell him to fast? Fasting allows you to discern the voice of God. It does. It allows you to, to discern the voice of God. Deny yourself so you can hear and obey. So you can hear and obey. So you can hear God's instructions and then follow through what he told you to do. Right? So he, does, so he wanted to, uh, the man of God to fast while he was there, to focus, to practice on listening to his voice. He said that I will show you a sign. Listen for my voice. Listen for my voice. It is important. Like this fast for us is extremely important because we have a lot of voices out there. Just turn on the TV. We have a lot of voices. Pick up the phone and, and call me. Look on social media. There's a lot of, in, of voices out there, right? When, when things usually go bad in your life, like people around you become prophets. That's what happened, right? The man of God, he was supposed to, he, he's supposed to fast when he was there, so he listened to God's voice. So he get, so he get used to hearing God's voice, listening for that sound. Like, you would know it's my voice. I would make it clear that it's my voice and no other voice. So, he, so what the enemy did, he sent him an old prophet. The old prophet said, I'm, you know, I'm a prophet too. The, the angel came to me and told me to, to bring you to my house. But that's not what God told him to do. That was the opposite of what God told the man of God. So you have to discern the voice of God or you will be influenced by other voices. Right? So the enemy loves to plant a seed in our hearts 
right? So it's a message. It's a message. He loves to plant a seed in our heart and wait, and he sends other people to grow it. He sends other people to grow that message. So you have to know, you have to discern the voice of the enemy, discern the, the, discern the voice of, of others. That's what discernment is about. It's just like, okay, is, is this God? Or this is me? Or this is the enemy? Or is this the world? Discernment is a powerful gift that as Christians, we must have. Discernment is no joke. You can walk in a place (coughs) with the gift of discernment. You can walk in a place and be like, oh, no, God ain't here. It's the enemy. The spirit of the Lord is not in this place. Right? Or you can walk in a place and discern the spirit of God is moving in this place, you can discern what, inf- what, what influence um, have over, over a certain particular place or people. Amen? Amen? See, fasting sharpens our spiritual senses so that we can follow God as he leads us. So let him speak to you during this fast through his word. And let, his, let this fast sharpen your ability to hear and obey. Hear and obey. John 10, 4, 5 says, and we, he brings out his own place, yet they will be no, by no means follow, follow a stranger, but f- uh, will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. We have to discern what voice we are listening to. Then he told him, so he, he told him to deny himself, to deny himself, to deny himself, right? So that way he can hear the, the voice of, of God. And that's, I always wonder why God told us to die daily, to die daily, to die from self. So that way we are sensitive to his voice. Like God doesn't just want us to have one encounter with him. He wants to have a daily encounter with him, daily encounters with him. Amen? So then he told him, he said, do not go back to Bethel. Do not go back. Do not go back. This must be a season where we move on from old things. When God tests you, like when you have an encounter with God, right, he doesn't want you to go back to what you're used to doing. Like, we should come out of this new. I know if I'm being tested with God, have to go through all the trials and tribulations, all that pain, I better come out brand new. That's a whole theme for this year, brand new. Brand new. How many want to be brand new? Like, I know you receive salvation in your life, but it should not stop at salvation. God wants us to be brand new. We, that's why the Bible said we must die daily so you come out a new person. Amen? Amen. Come on, I want to be brand new. I want to be brand new. I want to reintroduce myself, reintroduce myself to you. I want to be brand new. Right? So don't, let's not hold on to different things. When we have an encounter with God, we should have a new perspective built up and empowered, uh, have the joy of the Lord on us because we, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. See, God told him not to go back 
to Bethel. Did he know that if he went back, he would be influenced by something? He told him not to go back. Sometimes we go back to old stuff looking for a new thing. He said, so God's told me to tell someone today, stop going back to that same relationship. It ain't working. Ain't nothing changed. You, you keep going back to the same relationship looking for something different. Ain't nothing changed. God said, give it up. Give it up. He said, don't go back. Don't go back. You are brand new. Amen. He told him not to go back to Bethel because he will be tempted. See, being tempted is not a sin. It's the act of it. Right? Jesus was tempted. Right? On the mountain by the, by the enemy. Right. So what Jesus did, he just gave the enemy the word like he didn't focus on his feelings. Right. But a lot of times we confuse feelings and discernment. <laughs> right. It's not about how we feel. That's why you have to be careful of, of, of you know, other prophets. Yeah. Right. They, they would they would tell you what they feel. They would lead you based off their fears or how, how they feel. Yeah. Right. But Jesus did not tell the enemy how how he felt. We, that's not how you fight against the enemy. That's not how you fight against temptation. If I told the enemy how I feel, him, me and the enemy would, enemy would be best friends. <laughs> For certain moments. Can, I mean, can we be, I mean, I, don't, I know we're at church, but I mean, I love a transparent church, right? Uh, so it's like, so, so what Jesus did, he gave him the word. He told him what was written. He didn't tell him about his feelings. He said what was written. He told him what was written in the word. Right? I don't live, I live by the bread of, of God. Right? I don't live by what you say. He told him what was written. You, will, you should worship the word of uh, the, the Lord, oh God. And that's it. Right? Yeah. He told him what was written. Right? He said, so the Lord, so, so God told him not to go back. Like, why would he go? What are we looking for when we, when we go back? To old things. Look what happened to Lot's wife. That's so powerful. I, what's really interesting, some of you theologians here will, will really appreciate that. Um, so the story of Lot's, um, of Lot's wife, when the angels came to, when they were in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, and um, they were, the angels came to their home, and and um, so the, the wife, uh, not to get that deep into it, but the wife didn't particularly like the idea of having company or whatever. So but Lot had asked her to go get him salt so for, the, for the guests. So she she for whatever reason, she didn't like what um, what he was doing. And so she was very dramatic. So she went banging on doors. Hey, you got some salt. You got some salt. Uh, we got some salt. We got company over. We need to get some salt. You got some salt. You have some salt. Can I borrow some salt? So she was very dramatic. She was asking everyone for, for salt, right? And so then it was funny how when they escaped and they were running, the angel of, of the Lord told them not to look back. And when she looked back, right, she turned into a pillar of salt. I don't know. It's just a weird connection there, right? It's kind of a weird co connection there, right? But it's just crazy how when we look back on things, right? Amen. It's never a good thing. Amen. 
it's never a good thing to look back. God wants us to move on, to move on. He says to go another way. Somebody say go another way. So obedience is about going a different way, about learning a different way. Right? So I wonder what happened to the man of God? Think about it. Like, wh- what happened? I mean, he started off right, right? Yeah. He, he did exactly what God told him to do, but then he disobeyed God. Like, what happened to him? I wonder what happened to him. I mean, did he get discouraged? I mean, because in the Bible, there are gap theories, right? So he was at some place and they found him. So what was he doing? Like, like what, what was up with him? Was, did he get discouraged, right? Um, did he, uh, uh, maybe he got really lonely, um, didn't see the fruit of uh, what, uh, what, all that he did. So what, what actually happened to him? See, the real test was not when he confronted the king, it was afterwards. That was the real test. God told him to go another way. Right? I mean, he saw the manifestation of God's word. Right? right? So what happened to him? Well, how did he disobey? I know we can say, well, he got influenced by the old prophet, blah, blah, blah. But he already knew the voice of God. So what happened to the old prophet? I believe this happened. And this can happen to all of us. I believe he had the wrong view of what true sacrifice was, and his sacrifice of, to God became more important than his obedience to God. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice, right? And so uh, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, so uh, he ha- has the Lord as the great delight and burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed that fat of rams. So Saul had a word, um, but thought. So Saul had the word, but he thought he had a better idea. Right? So he was supposed to, um, the instructions that God gave him, he was supposed to kill all the Amicalites and all that and, and, and save nothing. You know, so he saved the king and all the, all the best cattle and all of that. And so uh, Samuel confronted him. It was a noble gesture by, by Saul, right, of, of wanting to sacrifice to the Lord. But that's not what God said. That's not what God said. So why is, obe- uh, why is obedience much better than sacrifice? See, sacrifice means independence from God in this particular instance. Right. Sacrifice in this sense is actually an attempt to gain independence from God. If we sacrifice for him, we have put him in our debt. It's like, God, don't you know what I did for you? Right. Don't you know what I did for you? I mean, I mean, you should understand. I mean, truly, you can bless me with this right now. All that I I've done um, for you. So so we, we demand goodies from God, but we retain the right to do whatever we want to do in this sense, this sense of uh, uh, sacrifice, right? So obedience is dependent trust in God. Obedience is a response of someone who is in a relationship of trust with him. 
We trust God. We depend on him. We are interactive with him, but he takes the lead. Obedience, it's better than sacrifice. So he says, he told him to go another way. Like God had a plan. Obedience is about following through with God's instructions all the way. See, sometimes we put our sacrifice first. God loves when we serve him. He loves it. He loves when we serve in a church. We serve him, right? But obedience must be better than, better than your sacrifice. Because some people sacrifice to the Lord but not obey him. So then we set ourselves up. We have these unhealthy expectations. When we do something from the Lord, we feel like we owe him. We owe him. God has a purpose. We have to have the mentality that whatever I go through, God, whatever you you use me for, whatever you call me to do, you get to glory. And that's it. And that's it. God must get the glory. Amen. See, God. So God was using this man of God's obedience to not for for not just uh, to confront the king. But everyone else along the way. So your obedience will affect a lot of people in your life. Man, so we cannot get discouraged during times where we feel we're not connected to God or with God, we feel like God has gone missing. It's a test. It reveals our closeness to him. Like if he tells you to do something, he will see it through. All we need to do, all we need to do during this testing season, right, is to deny ourselves. That's very important that we deny ourselves. We must say to ourselves, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's, it's about that. You start off with that first. You deny yourself. Like, God, my life is not my own. It is yours. I deny myself right now. It's yours. I deny myself. Then when you do that, right, whatever he tells you, if he tells you to fast, you get to discern his voice. You get to hear his voice. Because he has a plan. He's given you those instructions. So he, he's responsible to see, to, of seeing it through. So you get to discern his voice. Then after you have that encounter with him, he says, don't go back. Don't go back to the things you're used to doing. You are brand new. Go another way. He will show you another way. Deny yourself. Don't go back and go another way. Come on, say it with me. Deny yourself. Don't go back. Go another way. Come on. That's how we navigate through this testing season. We must pass the test of obedience. It's a cycle. If you don't pass it the first time, it's going to come back around. And it may be the same test. I, I don't, don't give me, I don't want the same test. That's just frustrating to me. I don't have to deal with the same problem over and over again. That's just aggravating. Right, so I'm just like, I just want to patch. God, what do you want me to do in this season? Just tell me, just tell me what you want me to do. 
I know it's going to be hard, whatever. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. I gain strength from you. Tell me what you want me to do. What do you expect of me right now, in this season, right now? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn? If it's a test from God, come on. We will come out brand new. We will come out brand new. We will come out brand new. Come on, stand with me.